Welcome to Get Behind Fanny, a podcast dedicated to the behind-the-scenes stories of the music, the members, and the musicians influenced by the rock group Fanny, the godmothers of women who rock. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another Get Behind Fanny podcast. I'm Byron Wilkins, Fanny fan and webmaster for the official Fanny website, fannyrocks.com. And joining me on these wild audio adventures are Fanny's drummer, Alice DeBure, and Fanny manager, Roy Silver's daughter and historian, Dr. Kristen Heller Glasgow. Can I say it today? Hello, ladies. <laughs> it is a bit of a mouthful, I, I admit. Yeah, we're going to have to get, you know, some kind of an editing in there for sure. <laughs> I think I know who does the editing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Alice, I know what? that we have, <laughs> I know we've already discussed badge the song by fanny yeah. but i have to tell you I, I know you hate when i compliment you i love your drumming on this song i can't get enough of it you'd so rock on this i just had to say that well thank you Kristen. it's <laughs> it was one of my favorite songs to play it's one of my favorite songs still and the drums are just i mean the drum part is is fun i mean it is just fun so there well, and moving on to some responses from episode eight, I wanted to read the responses from some new Twitter fans and F Facebook fans who are listening to Fanny with what we're calling fresh 2020 ears, as opposed mm -hmm. to ears in the you know early 1970s. Yeah. And so one listener on I Need You Need Me, Apple Scruff said, quote, the coda of I Need You Need Me blows me away every time with its over overlapping layers of vocals. That part somehow makes me think of R.E.M. doing similar things a decade later. The production doesn't feel as heavy handed as it did on the Richard Perry produced LPs. And he asked anything you change, Alice? Um, initially, I would say no. But um, I would say that on the CDs, both the... Um Rhino Handmade, Fanny Pack, and the Real Gone reissue, the mix on I Need You Need Me is it's really uneven. And um, it's, it's enough to make me a little crazy when I listen to it. But I like the sounds that Todd got on the song. Mm -hmm. um, I probably would have pushed Gene's vocals up um, a little bit on the gentle part. But I know that on the vinyl, um, it's pretty even. And I think they just got lazy when they were doing the Rhino Handmade set. But the it's still a great song. I mean, hands it's down. A, absolutely. And a new listener named David Roberts on the Fanny Rocks website wrote a fantastic review about both songs that we talked about in episode eight. And it's a little bit long, but it's worth it. So if you two will indulge me. We will. Sure. <laughs> David <laughs> Roberts wrote, quote, love the podcast. I've never seen a band having more fun than on the Beat Club's shoot of Summer Song. Nikki looks as if she's just thought of a really cool organ solo. Hey, get a load <laughs> of this. <laughs> and then he added, wouldn't it be nice? And then in parentheses, intentional Beach Boys comparison to see the original blue screen footage and all its well-lit glory one thing alice what color is the cadillac in your vision ah. and, then, <laughs> and then he <laughs> finished with i need you need me such an intense poignant song even the title is confused but it's quite different if you read the lyrics with ordinary intonation 
It's an expression of reasonable concern for a friend. But Nikki's panicky, shouting, staccato delivery, coupled with the plangent instrumentation, turns it into something frightening, making the listener more concerned for the singer's sanity. (laughs) (laughs) You Need Me, he wrote, would only come from someone losing touch with reality and the circumstances. And Jean's calm, soothing voice of reason shows she is aware of that deep down. But the long, long fade out with Nikki's great piano work tells us that resolution is some way off. Wow. And then, isn't that great? And he concluded wow. with a perceptive, affecting, psychological drama, brilliantly performed. Just an assignment, you ask? Ah, that Fanny modesty. <laughs> isn't yeah. that great? Yeah. So David wants to know, Alice, what color is the Cadillac with you and the other gals flying off over the Pacific Ocean? Well, the uh, Cadillac is white. It's two-tone, actually. It's got Mm -hmm. um, like teal or turquoise side panels, Mm -hmm. big fins. So that's what, a 57, 58, something like that. Like 57, Mm -hmm. yeah. I was going to say 57, yeah. 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 Those big fins that always, I always thought somebody could get really hurt falling on those. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's probably why they got rid of them. Yeah, because I've always thought of that too. It's like, those things are sharp. Yeah. But uh, I also know a certain cartoonist. Ah, who was uh? <laughs> who would that be? <laughs> uh, I, I think me. Yes, um, I think you I'm too. Going to be dra- I am going to be drawing this. Um, oh. I'm going to be drawing this up in a form of a uh, album cover. Uh, oh, so cool! I'm going to have the, 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 the Cadillac and you four in there, so June and Jean in the back with their hair flying, and you and Nikki in the front and uh, being crazy. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and well, so this helps me with the color tones because that's why I need to know, you know, it's like, cool. well, if you do it from a side angle, make sure to put you and Kristen in the hubcaps. <laughs> <laughs> I actually kind of like that. <laughs> me too. Me too. So I uh, should draw us how we appeared in 1973. So I would be 16 and Kristen would be six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> There you go. (laughs) So, you guys, let's turn to this week's episode. We're going to be covering All Mine, which is another track off of Mother's Pride. And this was produced by Todd Rundgren. And this was Fanny's last album with the original lineup of Fanny, Alice, Mm -hmm. June, Jean, and Nikki. (laughs) We also picked All Mine because, although it's belated, our dear radio DJ and friend, Mike DeAngelis, who hosts There Once Was a Note on Woody Radio, he posted the greatest Facebook page about celebrating five years with the love of his life, Barbara Fanning. And he told the story of coming home from the store only to hear Barbara blasting all mine (laughs) at full pitch. And it's such a romantic song. Mm -hmm. And then after that, we're going to be switching gears to the funky playing of Soul Child off of Charity Ball, which was Fanny's second album in 1971. And that was produced by Richard Perry. Yeah. Um, Mike DeAngelis and Barbara Fanning have the greatest little romantic love story going the posts they're so kind and sweet to each other back and forth on facebook and um mike has been so gracious with us um on there once was a note i Mm -hmm. was a guest on that um i did the artist block he's played a lot of fanny songs and i can't think of any better way to honor them than dedicating all mine to them
How could you not sing along with that? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> no, it is. And Jeff Fazekas, is another longtime Fanny fan. He yep. wrote in knowing we were going to talk about the song this week. And he said that he feels that All Mine is to him should have been a hit in the Fanny catalog more than any other song in terms of <laughs> originals go. Right. Yeah. And, and I agree. I mean, it's one of it's one of my favorite June songs. I love to listen to it and I do frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, Kristen, that you talked to June and Jean this week about both songs. You wrote in your liner notes, quote, most of this, you wrote most of the song in the Fanny Hill basement slash jam space. And you added, Jean and I finished it together. I remember playing my beloved Strat in the creation, the color of the wood especially. But by the time we recorded all mine, it was painful to do because my life had moved beyond the words and it wasn't easy to revisit. And I just think that it's so stunning because when I listen, when I read and listen to the song All Mine, I can be either with someone and understand the beauty of it, or I can be alone and understand the pain of it. So I'm wondering if you could speak to that idea of what you wrote. All Mine is definitely a love song in that way. You know, where you're saying, I'm so happy you're all mine. But it is true that when I wrote it, I was feeling good. And when, when we recorded it, I was in basically the uh, seven levels of hell or whatever you want to say. That that part that is so hard to let go of. And um, that was around Tread Fury. And she had left me in a in kind of a really, really bad way. And I was not in a good way. So I'm glad that the the love in the song, the spirit of the song has lived beyond that. Because that's all temporal, really. But the love that I that I felt was real and true, and that's what I hold on to. So when I sing it now, of course, I can be singing it to Anne, which is really nice. But to, to think back of that time, I was really holding on breath to breath for a few months, you know. So uh, thank goodness that song has held up. I'm, I'm really grateful. That means it's a good song, right? Yeah, June. Yeah, June singing on the second verse, and Jeannie did the first verse, and June was the mm-hmm. second verse. And it's, I mean, I know their voices, but they're so similar in so many ways. It's just so smooth, you know. Mm-hmm. I love her mm-hmm. vocals on that second verse. And podcast fans, here's another blooper for you. I so agree with you, Alice. And when I spoke to June and Jean this week about their playing, I loved what they. I don't know what the word is. So let's try that again. <laughs> what they said. There you go. There you go. All right. Ready? Uh-huh. Three, two, one. And I couldn't agree with you more, Alice. And when I spoke to June and Jean about their playing on this song, I loved what they had to say. So let's listen to that. When we were all playing, and when Jean was playing her bass part, we were in our happy place. We were in our safe place. 
And that's what I always remember. That is the gold of what Fanny was about. You know, you can feel it in the way that Jean plays. It's just the way she plays the right part, by the way. Whether or not she remembers playing it or not, it's the right part, and I know because I wrote I wrote the song. I needed that part. This is not like just a throwaway, people. You know, it's the right part, and when it's right, you know it. Yeah, what June is saying is correct. When we were playing, when we were locked in together, that was our safe place. Absolutely true, you know, because you didn't, didn't think about anything else because we were just involved with music and playing off each other. And that was that was where we wanted to be at the time. No other thoughts were in there, you know, we were just totally present with music. Goodbye, sex solo. You know, in, in my imagination, another horn part bites the dust. Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys were ahead of your time. That's like a, an 80s sitcom sex solo. <laughs> Perfect. And, you know, it's funny, Alice, June really regretted the sax solo on this as well and yeah. wished that she had played a guitar solo, which would have so worked. But let's hear what she had to say on it. You had said, June, that the one regret on the song is a saxophone solo. You said it's so out of place and you wish you had done a guitar solo. Do you still feel that way? Oh, yeah. 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 Yes, absolutely. I don't like uh, sax solos that come out of nowhere. So there was no, you know, there was, wasn't any intro that had or any other thread that we could have related to. But to tell you the truth, I was probably too weenie to play a, a guitar solo back then. Because like Gene, I had my confidence issues as well. So, you know, if nobody else cares and they love it, all right, that's, you know, that's mm -hmm. fine. People are still listening to it. I'm happy that they are enjoying the joy of others. It works. <laughs> Ah, the world-renowned fanettes make their the appearance. 
<laughs> the fanettes. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who the fanettes were, Alice? Because this is the first and only time there are male vocals on a fanny song. Yeah, well, the fanettes were Todd Rundgren, Moogie Klingman, whose studio we were using. It was his loft and studio. And one of the Soupy Sales sons, was either Hunt or Tony, and I don't remember which, but it was in Moogie's, Moogie's studio in his loft. Hmm. And Alice, hmm? there's a little known story, folklore, about your playing <laughs> nude in the studio. Is this true? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> nude? Nude? Never. Topless, maybe. But, but you really have to understand the setup in the studio. Um, they put the drum booth, which is three-sided, and the back of the drum booth was the wall, and that's where the radiator was. So the one person who is probably going to move the most and get sweaty would be the drummer, right? So sure. Yeah, exactly. So even if Front my... Box. Yeah, hot box exactly. Even if even if my tits were small, I still thought they should be covered. So I went to Times Square and I bought uh, black pasties with tassels. Yes. And so, so that's the picture of Todd Rundgren where he's wearing the tassels, although it doesn't look like he has actual tassels. They look just like pasties. Well, I probably bought two pair in case one of them uh. failed, but the tassels, <laughs> I definitely bought ones with tassels because I remember trying to twirl them in opposite directions, you know, <laughs> and with little boobs, it just was not going to work, you know? Oh, Alice, that's not fair to say that about <laughs> yeah. yourself. That's like that's like me trying to play all the percussion and all the drums on the intro of Ain't That Peculiar. It just was impossible. And it wasn't going to work. Not <laughs> it at wasn't going to work. No, nope, not at all. All right. And uh, enough of that. No more, no, no, no more topless stuff. Uh, I did not record any other songs for Fanny, topless, but Mother's Pride. There you go. Yes. Well, you uh, had a really good reason. Yeah, it was hot. <laughs> it was really hot. Really hot. So, Kristen. Yes. I believe we're going to pivot now to Soul Child. Pivot! 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 I am giggling not only because of the clip you just played, Byron, but there was a time on episode one when I used the word pivot, and Alice, <laughs> you gave me so much grief. I did using it. You did off the air, of course. So <laughs> yeah, anyway, and, you know, and since then, yeah. I hear it all the time. I use it. It's. I heard it on the news last night. Someone said pivoting, and I said, Kristen. <laughs> it's like squirrel, you know, squirrel. <laughs> That's great. All right, let's transition here. Let's pivot. And here's another blooper from this week. Kristen was on a roll. And one of your fans, Jeff Fizikas, asked or, or made the comment that because we had talked last week, I'm sorry, in the last episode, let mm -hmm. me start. Fuck me. Sorry, no. Okay. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. You got this. You got this. No. Okay. <clears throat> Count me down. Three, two, one. I can hear you. I'm giggling. sorry. <laughs> I'm just laughing at the fuck me. I'm just. This is great. Sorry. I, I like no, it. No, you sorry. fucker. You brought her anyway. I, there's I all did. types of jokes running through my head got, here. I'm yeah. sorry. I liked it too. All right. Yes, go ahead. Ready, okay. Kristen. <clears throat> all right. So let's. 
pivot <laughs> to Soul Child here. Okay. And again, this is from Charity Ball and produced by Richard Perry. And Jeff Fazekas, a fanny fan, he had mentioned that when we talked in the episode about listening through Fanny's music from 19, early 1970s years to 2020 years, mm-hmm. he asked Alice, speaking of 2020 years, you, Alice, had said in a press article that Soul Child wasn't one of your favorites because you said, quote, that you hadn't rehearsed it enough. And then Jeff wants to know, do the 2020 years still feel the same or differently? Well, I didn't feel that I had had enough rehearsal. I, I don't think that I felt comfortable with my drum part when we went in to record it. But when I listened back to it, and these are 2020 years and a 2020 brain as opposed to a 1972-73 brain, um, I like it. What I played, I think, fit the song perfectly. And I know that, Byron, you've got it queued up, so let's listen to a bit. Yep. I remember my sister-in-law, Mary, um, this is about 10 years ago. It was after the CD had come out. And because I, of course, sent them to her. She was a huge Fanny fan. And she said to me, I cannot believe the lyrics to Soul Child. They're so ahead of time. You're talking about birth control. Yep. Freely. And she, I mean, considering the time it was written in 1971 mm-hmm. and that Roe versus Wade was, it was not into law until 1973. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, it's just really incredible. And it, it, the way the song is performed, it's pre- performed so freely and in the open about it. There's no <laughs> secrecy here. Right. And I've yeah, always, right. I, you know what I mean? And I've always wondered, was there pushback from the record company no, at the wait, time? There was no pushback from the record company. I mean, I don't know. If, I don't even know if they were listening to the lyrics. You know, we delivered the album. <laughs> They put it out. And it's it's amazing that throughout the, the lyrics of the whole song, in yeah. my mind, it's not just the, the lyric about being on the pill. But as we get into this, you're going to hear there, the lyrics, June and Gene and Nikki really nailed the lyrics on this song. They really did. I, I agree. I agree. And when I spoke to June and Gene this week about it, they had a lot to say. So let's listen. If you remember this um, on Soul Child, I, I want to get... The three of you wrote this, Nikki, right, and the two of you? Am I correct on yes. that? Yes, I, I fact, think so. That, yeah, we wrote that on the first floor of Fanny Hill, the living room, kitchen, uh, living room area, um, which was, by the way, quite a beautiful scene because of the, the uh, you know, the materials on the floor. It was very rosy gold, especially at the time of day we would have been writing it, which would have been early to mid-afternoon. I just, I can see that it's rosy and golden. And it was comfortable to write those lyrics together. And I, I really treasured that because a lot of times Nikki and I were butting heads, you know, but the mm-hmm. three of us were working really well 
um, for that song and in that phase. And uh, I love that song. The way the lyrics, I mean, you could say uh, that they're, they're sort of avant-garde for the time and all that. Mm-hmm. But even nowadays, it really kind of applies to still women still can't be bold that way, you know? Exactly. So I think, I think that it's very apropos even now, even though at the time, because she's on the pill, you know, that was mm-hmm. nowadays, it's just accepted, but it's still the idea of it, that, that women would be in charge is something else. And speaking of more lyrics that were potentially, <laughs> well, illegal, let's just say. Yeah. I have a question for you, Alice. Yep. When you went in the lyric, when it says she has her stash, did that mean grass, pot, marijuana, or did it mean cocaine? Oh, what do you think? You know, well, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's we, why I'm asking? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was definitely marijuana or you know, pot, grass, whatever. Because the only time we had no money. We never had any money. You know, the only time we got Coke was an itty bitty little bit with, you know, uh, Richard would come up with his fingernail and there was this itty bitty little bit of Coke on the end of it. And that would be in the studio or your dad with that, you know, spoon that he wore around his neck, which was very itty bitty little itty bitty spoon, you know, but he, he called that a toot. Yeah. A toot. Yeah. A toot. And you know what? It was, and it was a toot. It wasn't a toot. It was a toot. Well, and I love the fact, Alice, that you answered that with, oh, gosh, no, we didn't have any money. Not, oh, gosh, no, we didn't do drugs. Oh, yeah, I, if we had had money. Um, well, actually, you know, I did like Coke in those days. And it was it was very helpful on tour when you were dragging and to have a little toot. <laughs> You know, <laughs> not a toot, just a little toot, you know, because it was really itty bitty little toot. <laughs> yeah. Well, for being a 14 year old in 71, Stash would have been popularized by Cheech and Chong. So I would have assumed it was grass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But, uh, Cheech and Chong, I thought, were later than Fanny. No, no. They oh. Were mm-hmm. oh, well, then, okay. Pretty there pretty. you go. Yeah. There you go. All right. Welcome to the drug and uh, exactly. part of our, of our education part of our show. Please don't do drugs. Please don't anyway, do drugs. Just with say that, no. With, just say no. Nancy. And with that, let's, let's listen to the rest of the song. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes. 
better Stand look by. out. Here comes that long fade out. Yeah, another one of those. Yeah. I, I love June's guitar playing on this song. I just oh, think yeah. it's so tasty. Yep. She told me that she liked her playing on this a lot, too. And when I asked her about the lyrics and Look Out Girl, both she and Jean, you know, the line, Look Out Girl, you have to learn how to get along in this world. And I thought her answer to this was so interesting. Let's listen. When we wrote that line, I remember specifically, I could feel this in my body, that we were telling our truth. We had to learn how to get along in this world. And I remember that very clearly. That, to me, is still the center of the song. The rest of it is details. And there was a lot of experimentation, of course. And I think we ended up okay. I mean, number one, we're still alive. Mm. So I think that says a lot, that we did consider the circumstances. And we knew that the times were changing. Yeah, they were. And I know there's a whole bass part secret to be told on this song. I was, I had never heard this, but Jean wanted to reveal for the Fanny fans out there something about her bass playing on the intro of Soul Child. I want to say, this is for the fans to check it out. On the intro, dun, 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 dun. A third yeah. time through, I flubbed it. <laughs> and I was so upset, but you know that was the way recording was at that time. It sounded fine to everybody else who I didn't, but to this day I heard, "Oh my God, I can't believe you didn't punch them!" <laughs> oh, now I want to hear that again. she does well to be honest i i I never heard it until she mentioned it and you know i never heard this either byron until gene brought it up yeah just like i didn't even think about the sax solo and all mine until june brought it up (laughs) yeah really well Kristen. um yes that said what does episode 10 look like what is it beginning to look like I'm very excited about episode 10 because it's going to be the first podcast that is a special dedication to one of Fanny's and the Get Behind Fanny podcast's most devoted fans, Nigel Langridge, because it's his birthday. (laughs) And so he has already picked out his birthday gift, which is to pick two songs for us to talk about. And he (laughs) has selected You're the One as well as Place in the Country, both of which are off of Charity Ball. So, Byron, let's hear a little from You're the One for our teaser. Wow. Woo! Exactly. Yeah. Stay tuned, Byron. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know that we're going to be discussing um, that song plus Place in the Country, mm-hmm. and we'll get into the lyrics of, of both. And there are stories to be told about You're the One. Great. From my point, and stories about uh, Place in the Country, um, how it related to the Vietnam War. Um, mm-hmm. But. Uh, 
Yeah, Nigel has a question about that as well, which we'll get to. Yeah, you can answer. We will. We will. Cool. Great. I look forward to doing it. It's going to be a, it'll be a good show. And uh, yeah. Byron, yeah. are you ready with the social media for us? <laughs> oh, oh yeah, wake up! <laughs> <laughs> the old Was man it something up once we in a said? <laughs> a, a long weekend. Oh my god! No, anyway, yeah. So anyway, on social Twitter, you can. <laughs> I like on social Twitter. Twitter. On, on social Twitter, that uh, that other place. Well, it's true. Not just Twitter. Social Twitter. Oh man! On Twitter, you can find us at rocks underscore Fanny, and then over on Instagram at Fanny Rocks underscore nineteen seventy. On Facebook as Fanny Rock Band, and on YouTube just as Fanny Rocks. And drop by the official Fanny website at fannyrocks.com. and you can use the hashtags Ask Alice. June Jams, Jean Ginny, Jean Genie, and Nikki <laughs> Notes to ask any questions like how to pronounce Jean Genie. Anyway. Yeah. Jin Genie was fired after the first gig. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> also at the FannyRocks.com website, Alice, you were so kind for transcribing all, right. all the lyrics to the Fanny songs so you can find them there. You, so thank you. You're welcome, Kristen, because it was a two day labor of love. Let me tell um, you. It's great. Yeah. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. Byron, hit it. I don't think it's going to pivot anymore. Well, it just occurred to me that hit it and pivot, pivot, oh. you know, <laughs> they rhyme. I am a poet. Hey, hit it, pivot.